Warning, this podcast may contain spoilers for the Channel 4 shows Hunted and Celebrity Hunted. It will contain some strong language and at some point, a dog. In 2022, 10 celebrities left behind their lives to go on the run in aid of Stand Up To Cancer. Their mission was to go undetected for 14 days against an elite team of hunters tracking their every move. Bollocks, bollocks, bollocks. Wait out, possible, possible. We need to get out of here. I'm getting really paranoid right now. You've been hunting down, stand where you are, stay where you are. Where are they? With the CCTV, which jetty were they heading towards? Because there's two. Yeah, so the right hand jetty. Jesus Christ. Okay, Jordan, this is all on you now. Grand Hunter units are not going to make it in time. Did I can hear something in the trees? God, Jordan, get that legs in motion, mate. He's there! I go! Must be getting close, Jordan, I can hear it. Yeah, I got Come on, Jordy. My name's Craig. And I'm Nat. Last year we discovered Hunted and became obsessed. But like with every obsessive TV show we watch, we're left with unanswered questions. Like, exactly what does it take to successfully pull off a clean sweep? What type of fugitive makes a tough opponent? What's the best interrogation technique? Pouting? Bad cop? Or? Flirting. Let's not beat around the bush here. He was defo flirting with Liv Speakman. True. I'll give you that one. Anyway, it's time to find out as we welcome the legends that is Paul Cashmore to the Hunted Podcast. You could try to play, but you're never gonna beat me. Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy. Bloody hands stain from the people who deceive me. Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me. People like sheep move feet, hurt it easy. You don't wanna be fast asleep on this evening. Better stand tall, ready for a fight, believe me. When they try the chains, you can say no, free me. Welcome back to the Hunted Podcast. Great to have you with us. After two fantastic weeks of catching a couple of fugitives, yeah. guess what? What? I've got a surprise for you this week. Have you found Jordan? I've not, no, I've not found Jordan, oh. although, you know, I'd, I'd like to one day. Okay, one right. day. No. But you're on the right lines. Okay. I have captured us a hunter. Right. And I've captured us, I think, the longest serving ground hunter, maybe even the longest serving person on the entire hunter team right it's only paul cashmore oh. hi paul how are you hey hi thanks for having me no pleasure thanks so much for agreeing to come on is that right am i right in thinking that you are probably the longest serving uh one of so steve hersey who is in hq uh and mark canana mark canana is um also done it from series one where he actually shot the um initial pilot as well Ah. Probably Mark is, but Mark, myself, and Steve, I think, have been there. I think May has Doug been there since Series One, maybe. I think as well. Who's in HQ? But yes, ground hunter wise, myself and Mark can and I. Although Mark has been in HQ, I don't know. So, yes, yeah, yeah. And I think he's <coughs> missed one or two, and I think Smiley Steve, as we refer to him, missed one or, one or two. So I know you sort of like as this series have gone on, you sort of rotate round now, don't you? When it comes to celeb and civilian. Yeah, I have done every single one, yes. So out of all of it, yeah, I've done, I've done all of them, yeah. Yeah, so I, I suppose technically you now can claim then that you are the longest <laughs> serving. 
I suppose, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> we can run with that one. It's all good fun. Um, I think we should probably start there. Before we delve into like Celeb Hunter, the latest yeah. series, because that's sort of what we're here yeah. to talk about and that. Let's delve into the start a little bit. Okay. You mentioned obviously the pilot. You've been involved from the start. How did it all come about for you then? Um, so even before that, um, so when I give on some of the talks, when I was 16, I actually wanted to get into TV, but I was like, well, 16, how on earth do you do that? Um, and when I moved to London, when I was 21, out of purely coincidence or whatever, what you believe in, in life, I met some people and I was actually writing scripts. I've written a film script, a police comedy script, um, became really good friends who had an office at L Street Studios. I was shooting music. I was doing stuff behind the camera and in front of the camera and we went in film festivals. So it wasn't a case of, let's just not call it an overnight success because that sounds just a bit cheesy and stuff. So um, when I moved to London when I was 21, um, I was pitching stuff with working extremely hard and it was relentless nose almost no you almost there almost there almost there and I was like well this is a bit of a major dream to have is to get into the world of television and that was from a 16 year old um and obviously I joined the Met Police and it was just relentless nose and then at the age of 40 so 24 years later um, I got an email saying that there's this new television show and they were looking for people to go on the run. So I met the production team to initially meet them as a fugitive. Ah. There's a bit of a, um, an expose for you. <clears throat> and by sheer coincidence, look, we were chatting about stuff and I, I met them on camera and there was a spot free for a, they were casting, they were, they needed a hunter for some reason. I think someone could make it, um, was unavailable at that point. And because of my background and some of the stuff that I was talking to them about, they cast me as a hunter and I've been with them ever since. And I feel very grateful and very lucky to be involved in such an iconic show and working with some incredible people. But yeah, I met them as a, to be a fugitive. That's quite strange, isn't it? Because we obviously we had in like the last civilian, Sarah Kibble, didn't yes. we? Who's obviously a serving officer. And <laughs> yeah. I, I guess at that time as well, because it was power of the state to start off with, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was it was a lot more it was a lot more serious yeah. than it is now. Yeah. It's quite cool. Also, series one was was very different. Yeah. Like how can you very catch you remember all the marketing from it? Yeah. Post boxes, it was on Cash machines, it was everywhere. Beer mats. Um, it's such a very, very clever idea uh, and um, became a massive conversational piece for people as well. What could they do? What would you do? What would you do? Um, and obviously, it's evolved over time to have a prize fund and a celebrity version, which is incredible. And they give up their time, and all the fee goes to Stanford Cancer. Yeah. Obviously, you've been there from the start, so you saw the first series where it was, we think it was a lot more serious. A completely different yeah. show, different in, feel. In your opinion, how has it changed from then to what we're at now in terms of what happens, what they do, and things like that? I think with series, so series one, very much um, the powers of the state, that was a big thing. 
people leaving their digital footprint everywhere can can you evade capture in these times and go on the run and then what happened was there was a prize fund so then that changes the emotional aspect i think is hundred thousand pounds even if it's split is a life-changing amount of money and it can be as if you remember it was madu who was saying this is a deposit on a house these are things that people are are going through on the run to try and win some money. Not only are they trying to evade capture, but there's a prize fund at the end of it, which can be life-changing. And Madhu at the time had a baby. And so they're experiencing some real intense emotions on the run. And then obviously we evolved then into celebrity, which raises an incredible amount of money for a wonderful charity. So... It's evolved there, and obviously with the prize fund and the charity and, and the charity aspect of it. Um, so, yeah, very, very different, very different from the series one. Obviously, it's still there. The the you know, can you still evade capture? Yeah. But there's a prize fund at the end of it, which is life changing for people. Um. So you've told us that originally you apply to be a fugitive if you had gone ahead and been a fugitive how do you think you'd have done i'd have nailed it of course have <laughs> nailed it. they'd never have caught me <laughs> problem was though if he'd have done it in series one no money no money 100 grand would have been that's it yeah i didn't do you know what if i'd have won it in series one yeah. and then watch series two when they, they changed the voiceover guy and he went yeah, fugitives are now on the run for a hundred thousand pounds. I'd have been like, "What?" <laughs> I'd have been fuming. I mean, very, very different. In the Maldives and fifties in my face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Absolutely. Um, how did, did that sort of change your mindset then? When you when you sort of you were going to go in as as a fugitive as well, and then you end up becoming a, a hunter. I guess though, for you, from from your point of view, because you spent so long in the Met and had that. Um, experience with it I guess it was almost like a busman's holiday in some respects yeah yeah it's um I do love it I miss it so I do miss it sometimes but it's um you still get to do it here so you can still keep your little hand in of of things that you've um done over those years which is nice um and I still get to do it and work with some incredible people um and it's all a big team effort it's not just about that but I do I I love human behavior I love speaking to people and people watching and understanding and watching body language and fascinated by body language. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah. The dog's just coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, uh, stay there then. Good boy. <laughs> oh no, he's coming to say hello now. What are you doing? Uh, are you doing? Uh, okay. Good boy. Go on then. Come on, H dog. Out you go. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Funnily enough, that's one of the questions. <laughs> you asked for questions from people, and that was one of the questions. We'll come to that later on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, you, you started in that early series and, and, and things like that. And you were saying about like loving human behaviour. I think that's what sort of inspired us to watch the show as well, because it's it's quite interesting to see, even in the later series, when it's become more about the game show element and chasing down that share of money. But like you said, 
when there is such a life-changing amount on the line, even if it's just 10 grand, if everybody won it, yeah. quick math, Bobby, you'd like that. Well um, it's still a, a good chunk of money. So that behavioral side of it does play a part. And I guess when you sort of are capturing people and they think, oh, they've got that attitude of you're never going to catch me, it must be really, really difficult. And you must have some reactions which you just a, a little bit like, come on, calm down. It is not that bad. Yeah, um, but everyone wants to win. Whether there's money involved or not, or whether they're whatever it is, everyone is very competitive. We are, fugitives are, whether it's the celebrities or the main series, everyone's very competitive. So everything you see is real emotion. Real emotion. I'm super competitive. I don't care who you are and what's at stake. I want to win. What is everybody else? And that's when that's when you see a chain. You say, "Oh, I thought Cashmore was really jovial and he's really lovely and very nice." No, I want to win. <laughs> do, do you and all of the other hunters? Is there some sort of like competition between yourselves to see who can capture the most people? No, absolutely not. So um, it is very much a team effort. It's not about who scores the goal, who puts the hand on, and says your time on the run is over. That is nonsense. It is a very much a team effort. If I can be involved in a capture scenario and there's some of my fellow ground hunters involved and we can pin some movement and we can come in and do it together, it's a really wonderful feeling to go, you know what, we've all been on the road, we've driven hundreds and hundreds of miles and you have done just as much work as us and everything else. And just because it's edited in a certain way, everyone is involved and everyone deserves, you know, a pat on the back and well done, you've been a part of this. It's not about who's scoring the goal, who's tapping on the shoulder, who's got that last little section. Because you've got people in headquarters who are working extremely hard, very talented and very gifted people mm -hmm. to be able to piece things together. And because you only see a limited amount of editorial time of that, you're not necessarily seeing, you know, the hours or the days of work of piecing this together. Um Certainly from my, from my perspective and stuff, there is no competitiveness. I love being able to share that and work with my fellow hunters and go, that was a massive team effort. It's not about me. It's not about anybody else. Um, it's about all of us working together. It's ineffective for just to say that one person is going to get their, I'll use the word glory, rubbish. I don't like that. I like the fact that everyone is involved. If I can be involved with some of my fellow teammates, then that's a, a, a better win for me, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I guess actually when you think about it and you put it in that way, that's why the scenes at the end of the latest series of Celeb Hunted was so powerful yeah. because yeah. everyone's come together, they've worked hard for 14 days and you know people have slipped the net, all of this, but it's such an accumulative effort and that's, that's what makes it so powerful. And I think that's probably why it is, for me, one of the best, the best series yeah. of Celeb Hunted that we've seen. Yeah, for sure. I'll try to give you an example. Um, Steph and Dom from Gogglebox. There was, I think, three teams of hunters on that episode coming in for them, and we've been chasing them. And I'd missed them a couple of times, and I knew where their getaway driver had taken them. Um, and we were constantly on their tail. And... There was intel that had come in and we were going in for a capture and Michelle and I were running down um, 
a country road and it was this big pincer movement, a massive undertaking. And we clocked them and they were about to get into a car and it could have been very easy for us to kind of run, run in and stuff, but you might, you might miss one of them. And if someone escapes, you think just for the sake of a little bit of glory, and it goes a little bit sideways, um, is there are two other teams here. We can pin some movement at this in and box them in, and we come in from all sides. So there's six ground hunters now and, and three teams coming in. I mean, how good is that? How much tension is being built up? They're never, ever going to escape. So it's not about going, oh, my God, there they are. Let's run in and get them on the shoulder and stuff. But you might miss one or, you, you know, something might go wrong. Why not then? Pin some movement in there. There's no chance for an escape. And six ground hunters get to be involved in that capture. Yeah. All of us together. Yeah. And as a team thing, that's that's so powerful and, and so good. And also from a viewing perspective, it is as well. And the only negative to that is in terms of people who are watching who don't perhaps understand that part of human behavior because there are people who watch tv and, and go oh it's just a game this is easy this is easy it's very easy to sit there and be a keyboard warrior if you like it's one of the things i hate about social media people being able to criticize without having that knowledge of, of doing it and saying oh well he's just walked past him why can't he just get out of the car and get him because it's about more than that isn't it it's about the team effort and getting it right and making sure that nothing is left to chance like you say if you'd have gone after one the other person might have got away and might have gone on to win. And when you're playing for money on the line in the civilian series, that's a, that's a big thing as well. If it was a real situation and you were chasing, I don't know, two kidnappers or whatever the crime it is they've committed, you wouldn't want to let one of the two get away, would you? It's no. about getting it right. Everything is part of a team. Even when I was in the Met and you know, I got a few commendations and things in the Met and did some stuff, what I always say, I was a member of the most effective rubber unit. It wasn't about me, it wasn't about my accommodations on the wall, it was none of that kind of stuff. It's not about who gets the cuffs on, none of that, none of it. It is, I'm a member of the most effective team. There is more than just me, and there's more than, you know, there's more of us in this show. And so, yeah, teamwork is, is what makes it. And I love being able to kind of come across and see all my teammates again that I've not seen for a while. Um, and all the skills that they bring. Not just about me jumping over a fence or pouting. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. The, the questions will say that later on. It's, it's such a, a, a thrill there, that sort of uh, being able to jump over fences and, and, and do all that and stake out. And I was thinking, it's, I remember interviewing um, Steve Cottam ages ago, probably about a year, just over a year or so ago now. And he was talking about spending a day, wasn't he, in the, the buses of a service station. And you're thinking... I'd get bored so easily. But actually, when that's your thing, when it's the thing of it's part of the game, even though that came to absolutely nothing, yeah. if it had contributed to a sighting or a bit of intel or information, that effort is so appreciated by all of the Hunter team. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal to think about that in, in that way, that everyone plays their 1%. I'm a big believer in that. It's the 1% which add up to matter, if that makes sense. Of course, always. It's, it's such a powerful thing. Um, shall we have a little look at, dive through um, Celebrity Hunter this series then, okay, and then we'll work yeah. backwards. And we've already had mentioned Toph and, not Toph and Stephen Dom. Stephen Dom. Who were just drunk all the time. Yeah, Brilliant. They, I think they just went on a, just, on a bench. Yeah, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Brilliant. When they were in it, and, and as we call it, they are two of the most loveliest people. I oh, think. yeah. Yeah. So down to it. 
brilliant. We talk about down to earth people as well, and obviously we can't not talk about Celebrity Haunted Series Five and leave the Speakmans till last. Let's delve in into that. <laughs> the smile on your face says it all. <laughs> the flirting between you and Liv, even on social media, is is brilliant to watch. And then on the show, I know they've become a big part of your live now as well. So just uh, tell us a little bit more about um, how all of that transpired and uh, let us into that little bit of background about when you slipped that uh, recording device into the Speakman's kitchen. Because Liv, she knew. Yeah, I know, right? That was an audacious, audacious opening episode, right? Mm. It was really good. Obviously, it was used on the advert um, with the getaway and the um, the setup and the dummies and her and Hunter. It was brilliant. Um, and obviously, we take that very seriously. Obviously, when I've jumped out of the car and I'm screaming at the car. We swear on this podcast, can we? Of course, yeah. yeah. Good fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for it. I was like... You know when you I do a lot, yeah. You know when you meet someone for the first time, you think, I always put the warning at the start of this episode that they swear, and then you meet someone for the first time, and then they've not they've not sworn, you're like, Shall I swear? Shall I break the eyes? Just like fuck it, let's just do it. (laughs) I do yeah, I do swear a lot. Um that's a sound of intelligence, apparently. That's what I'll roll with anyway. Yeah. So um I say bullshit because I'm thick, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It was yeah, it was a brilliant opening sequence. And obviously when um Nick and I are driving past and stuff, and I've gone, that's a fucking mini. And when you've clocked it, and you're like, holy shit, it's on now. So that adrenaline goes up, it's great. And obviously then she's pulled in and got out, we've jumped out, fucking bang in the window, um, open the window. And because you want, it's it's great. There's obviously two tactics. And so if you can go in, you can go in with NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, and you can match and mirror, you can go in nice, and then you can fuck with their minds a little bit and then and then turn it and be a little bit kind of, I'm going to go in a more intense and I'm going to bring my voice down and I'm going to just going to stare right in your eyeballs. And um, but when we've got out and we've pulled it out, she, um, yeah, she was, she was playing a great game, uh, was Liv and, and, and Hunter was brilliant. And yeah, initially, um, and stuff you don't see. And I did, I do say to her um, during that um, interview, um, I say you can flutter your eyelids all you want, but it's not going. It's not going to work. And uh, well, clearly it did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and obviously she's come up uh, and and give a hair flick, which is on my social media, which is brilliant. And everyone has you know commented about that, and it was. Obviously, there was a distraction uh, tactic going on there. Um, And I think there's there's stuff that I didn't make the edit of of going. um, uh, I said, I think I said, oh, you know, tell me where your parents are and I'll take you for a drink. And she said, oh, you can take me for a drink anyway, but I'm not going to tell you where my parents are. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so then I have to hack the, you know, you're going in there, you're doing all your tech stuff. I'll be on the phone to Doug. You know, my best mate in HQ. If, ever, if, anyone, if anyone ever goes, if anyone, if, I, if there's a call into HQ and they go, Cash is on the phone, everyone will go, Doug, it'll be for you. <laughs> Doug's like my go to. He's a legend. I love him. Um, yeah, so you, it, it's, it's then really, um, it was a really good interview. Obviously, you only see snippets of it. Um, while Nick is going around and there's cameras around 
um, Mel and JP have gone off and interviewed and, and spoke to Hunter. Um, but she was, yeah, she was, she was cool. She was, she was very, very chilled on the interview. Um, I thought there must be something we're going to get from this. And I did, yeah, I did put a, a sneaky listening device into the property, um, which they didn't find, but I think we're very aware that that yeah, was yeah. a tactic and something that was going to use. Um, yeah. Liv said when we spoke to her that um, as soon she knew because she kept her out of the kitchen, she knew that there was something going on because she'd purposely stopped to go in in a particular room and sort of like kept her almost penned. And she said that after you'd gone, she said to Hunter, whatever you do, do not talk in the kitchen. Talk about anything generic. Do not talk about the show in there. And then, so I think she was very, very aware that something was yeah. something was not quite right. But you obviously, you know, used it to your advantage because now you can write down all the notes about her likes and dislikes. And when you did go for that drink, you fully prepared. I quite like that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did stick to my promise. <laughs> It just doesn't like being out. If you can't see you, it doesn't, he doesn't like it. Uh, see what we're doing. He's daft. Um, so obviously you had that interaction with them and and everything, and then you put the listening device in. When you were watching it back a few weeks ago, were you slightly frustrated that you didn't manage to get intel off that? Because Ed and James then went there purely by coincidence. You could have caught, if, you, if they'd have gone in the kitchen and spoken there, then... You know, you could have had a little bit of an unexpected lead by a, a plant for somebody else. I mean, that was a ballsy move, right? By oh, a... yeah. Big time. I mean, I, I, I mean, I thought that was a bit of a kamikaze move, to be honest. Yeah. But um, obviously, Doug, Doug the legend that I'm going to call him from now on, had those cameras on monitoring and he sat there with pure patience and perseverance. Yeah. Um, and they turned up. And it's like, what? Holy shit. Thing is, you can't predict anything. We don't know anything. We don't know none of this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, HQ, brilliant. Excellent work by, by those guys. Um, I think it's well worth talking about Doug and the work that HQ do. Because you've mentioned him quite a lot. And obviously, because of the constraints of an episode and an edit, you only get to see one hour. And you're going to see more fugitive what they're up to than what you are Hunter. But it's actually the work of people like Doug and all the researchers and stuff who maybe take a little bit of a backseat on the show, which is essential for what you do. Oh, big time. You don't see half the stuff that they do in there. Because you can't, because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage. And to piece that together, I mean, editorially, I mean, they're, they're, the editors are geniuses as well, to be mm. able to piece that together. But the work that they do, the open source... Um, that they're, they're just screening every single thing by everybody. Um, the tech people who are going through everyone's tech. I mean, they are, they're, for me, they're geniuses. Um, and very, very talented people who work in the head, in headquarters um, and deserve every accolade and praise, you know, I can give them. Um, and it makes our life on the road much easier. Um and for us, when we go into our investigation and feed it to them, that's when these little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle come together. That's why I say to you, it's a massive team effort. 
because you can piece this together, you can piece that together. And we can go, well, this bit wasn't right. And they can go, oh my God, well, that fits with that. That works with this. Can we get in front of them? So rather than rather than us now chasing that chess move, can we get in front? So that's where all our team players come in and we go, right, this is what we can potentially anticipate where they're going to be. Um, and, and, and that's where it all comes together. It's not just about chasing them. It's trying to get an understanding of their psyche. So that's where all the guys in, in HQ come into play, where they've just put all this stuff together, all this research together, this pattern of life together. And you can be able to go, yeah, here we go. We have an ultimate profile now of you. Yeah. Where you go, we know where you shop, we know what you buy, we know what your rituals and habits are, we know you've been on a holiday, you know your best friends are, we know when you're stressed, who you're going to reach out to, everyone's going to crumble at some point. Yeah, it's brilliant. I find that really interesting because when we sort of say about what you put on the internet, it's yeah. quite scary to think that just by having one little thing, like we could tell Paul one bit of information and he could go, right, I'm going to find this, 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 and this, and this yeah. about you. Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah, one little thing can sort of snowball into something else and something else and something else. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so remember Martin of Fire and Gavin Henson? Yes. yes. We, I interviewed um, Gavin Henson's fiance, and we were chatting and there was a magazine on the table. You don't see it in the edit. There's a magazine on the table and it was a, a boating magazine. I clocked it and I just brought it up in conversation and she's just gone red. I thought, well, that's quite relevant then, isn't it? Mm. I think I'll hold on to that a little bit. And then you find out a little bit more. Then you got, yeah, they actually got on a boat, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. So then you go one little piece. There's one little magazine on there and one little reaction from her got you. That's, it, that must be something which, as a ground hunter as well, is, is a real key skill set to have just by, it's not just about how people answer a question or how people are with the body language. It's the little things which they don't quite think about. Having a photo on the wall, which they've maybe not hidden, which might be a clue to what they're going to give away. Having a magazine on there or having a book on a bookshelf. All those little crumbs yeah. make a biscuit. It's great. I knew you'd like that analogy. <laughs> I, I find that so fascinating as well to, to be able to, to do that. What would you say your strength is as a ground hunter? When you go in, in in that pair and you're interviewing a fugitive, so like, for example, when you went in to speak to Liv and Hunter, what would you say is the one thing where you're going to walk away from that and think, right, I've got X, Y, and Z in terms of information which I can now pass to HQ and try and find these buggers? Um, so apart from uh, um, pouting and... Um... <laughs> flirting <I'm> flirting <laughs> and i just say that was the only time i've ever done that <laughs> if you watch all the episodes um i did flirt. i don't know i thought you and had balls had quite a moment <laughs> balls was great what a lovely guy well come on to him <laughs> yeah the flirting one it was the only time i did it but um uh but i thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna play up to this so when liv was flirting with me i'm like yeah, we'll play up to this now. I kind of, yeah, this is um, this is something that we can uh, we can go with. Um, 
and that was great fun. That was actually a really, really fun interview. And obviously, we'll talk about the Speakmans, but they're they, they are a genuinely lovely family. Mm. Uh, I adore all of them. Um, skill set wise, so when when I look, I love NLP. I love body language. I like to listen. I like to watch. Let people talk. And if you go in and you're initially nice, people will talk. So. Let's 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 go back a little bit to one of the main series at the Blackpool with the mum and dad. Yeah, girls that went went off. Yeah. So, and the dad turns round to the mum and he goes, "Why don't you tell them the bloody plan, Janine?" <laughs> she's telling us all this stuff because initially we're going in there, and then we flip it. So I flip it. So I'll be very nice to you. I'll match and mirror your body language, and you will talk to me, and you'll freely give me information. It's great. And there's going to be stuff that I know is true. So I'm going to watch your response. Great. So then I'm going to watch your response of things that I want to know and how you change and how you react. So I'm reading you all the time. So when the dad then stands up and I say some empty pockets and he's pulled out these bits of paper, remember? Yes. And on there was information. And I was like, oh, holy shit. So I thought he was just going to, he's just going to eat it. That's what amazing reaction was. That's gonna... what, to be fair, if that's what I'd do, if I had that, and I, re- I my brain went, oh yeah, I'd just, like rip it up or set fire to it or eat it or do whatever to yeah, get yeah, rid yeah. of it. And I mean, passed I... it over, didn't he? He didn't. So I'm like, oh my god. So I took a picture of it and everything else. I just literally hit the jackpot here. Um, it was just so funny. Uh, so yeah, skill set wise, I love being able to speak to people and interview people. Mm. Um, and I do get a little bit of a dog with a bone if I'm onto something. And it's a little bit small. I will go with my gut instincts as well, and I'll feed it into HQ. And I'll be like, I'm pretty certain they're going to do this at some point, or they're going to meet this person at some point. Um, just the reaction. So if you mention the name, or you mention something, or something comes up, it's going to be a little bit of nervous energy. Something is going to come up that I'm going to pick up on. Um, but I may not disclose, but I know I'm going to bank it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the hardest thing for me, having the poker space. Because if I, if I found out a little bit of information, I don't think I'd be able to stop myself having a little wry smile or, <laughs> yeah. or, like, or say, uh, phrasing a question in a certain way. But yeah. that comes from years and years of practice and really honing that skill. So if someone, if someone thinks they've got away with something or they're, or, or they're telling you a lot of bullshit, just watch their body language and watch their mouth, watch the little micro expressions and you can study and train for that. Mm. You know, if they're kind of trying to have one over or they're going to bullshit you. Um, And I love it. And also you can have a little bit of fun, you know, if someone's blatantly lying and you can call them out on it and watch them squirm. That's quite fun as well, to be fair. (laughs) It's like head balls. What do you mean? What you dialed yourself six times. (laughs) That was hilarious. I mean, it brings me nicely on to talking about politicians. So I love the fact about what you mentioned earlier really resonates with me about being nice to people and being open to them. So for a long time, I worked as a freelance broadcast journalist. I hated doing news and putting together news bulletins and news clips, but it paid the bills. Um, And I always got sent out to interview people. Now, I'm a really anxious person. So whether I'm if I'm waiting for an interview or I'm going out to see someone, I twitch, I don't like, I get really sweaty, I get really 
head up in my own head. And then when it comes to meeting someone, I'm always thinking, how are you going to get the information you need to put a program together? And then it's just being nice to people because as soon as people see this, which is a generic yeah. recording device, which you put in the face and records the audio, um, they freeze because it's an automatic, the brain just freezes. So whenever I walk into a place and they offer me a cup of tea or a drink, I take it and I take that extra five, 10 minutes to have a conversation with them before yeah. and talk about what it is that I'm there to talk about. And then I just go, you know what we've just talked about for the last 10 minutes? We're just going to do that again on tape. And it works 99% of the time. In, of all the people that I've interviewed, I've only ever had three people that that's not worked on. And I'm not a politically minded person. And I, I was doing it in the election. So where we live in Mansfield, it always used to be Labour, Labour, Labour. And then it switched to Conservative for the first time ever. And we had one of the politicians come on and do like a, a, a pre-recorded discussion show. And he gave an answer which was so politician textbook. I stopped the recording and I just said to him, you are talking so much shit. You're making yourself look bad. This is not contributing to what we want. You're pushing your agenda. This is not what we're here to talk about. And completely the reverse tactic of going from good cop to bad cop. And it worked. But it's funny. I just find it funny about those little techniques that you were saying about talking to people and getting, in, getting bits of information out of them. Because after that, he'd always answer the phone. He'd always come in. And it was the only place where he actually said, this is where I feel I can actually talk and actually give proper answers rather than be closed off in my textbook. And I think there is a lot to be said about the power of people, isn't there? hundred percent. I always have a little phrase, I don't use it on there, but I always like, I like the phrase of a lie is just as good as the truth sometimes. Because mm. I'm going to get a measure of a character and I'm not going to disclose everything that I know. And you can take that away, not just on this show, but you can take that away in life as well. Yeah. The lie is just as good as the truth. I think I'll bank that. And I might be a sneaky little fucker and go, oh, hold on a minute. But you're, 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 you're painting a profile. And so, yeah. And I also like the power of silence. Yeah. The power of silence is very, very powerful. And you can do it in your own life, but you can do it in, in Hunted as well. And if you're chatting, people will fill the gap. So... I will kind of slow down if I if I want to if I want to take it up. I want to make you feel a little, uncom little bit uncomfortable. I love playing those little mind games and fucking with you a little bit. Is you go in, you be nice. If I then change the intonation of my voice and I bring it down and I slow it down a little bit and I pause and my body language is changed and I'm just not breaking eye contact with you, you're going to become very very uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's, and it's a bit of a power trip then, and they're like, oh hold on a minute, I don't, I don't get it. But equally, if they're getting angry, if I find something, if I'm searching, there was a car, I knew they'd given, we knew they'd been involved in moving, and then there was this guy, and he went, oh, are you playing good cop, bad cop? No, are you? <laughs> and I could see this car was a tip. There's two people in, in the back of this car, someone's been in front of them, and you can see where the stuff's been moved, and it's clearly had a pair of fugitives in that car and someone else. And he was so angry, Oh, well, that's obvious because you know you've been caught now. You deny it, deny it, deny it. But then when they're angry and you remain calm, they're going to play up even more because you've got them. And I love bringing that down and, and just pausing for a minute. Exactly. Uh, those techniques are, are great. And I think on that as well, 
um, we have to talk about the people who, you know, have been really lovely and you've, you've got to obviously like with Speakmans, we'll talk about them in just a second. But as you've spoken about the differences in the way people act, who has been the most formidable fugitive that you have come across that, that you've really just found has got under your skin? And then when you've watched it back and you've thought about it, you've just gone, Do you know what? Fair play. Don't really think anyone's got under my skin. If I've been very honest, I don't think anyone's really got under my skin. Um, I don't really, I don't really get, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't process that emotion. And I am quite controlled with it. Um, did Chase, so Johnny Mercer was, was. Yes. He was the one that I was thinking about when we wrote that question because he did the thing with the car, the tire down. Yeah. So if I was to if I was to pick something, we obviously caught Kay Burley, but we're chasing. But we were we were going around and they were on a boat, and Johnny was playing a great game. We interrogated um, the family, um, and he was always one step ahead a little bit, and did the tire let down. Um, so if I was to pick something, pick someone, uh, probably Johnny, purely for those reasons um, and letting the tyres down and coming in and, and, and working with his network down south. Um, yeah. So let's if we're going to go with someone, let's go with Johnny Mercer. Um, but, but aside from the fact that, you know, he's, he's great and what he does with yeah. the veterans and everything else, he's brilliant. And he was brilliant on the show as well. Um, lovely family, to be fair. Um, so far, so I was going to say someone annoyed me and took me out of the game and did my tyres. Johnny, you're on the list, but equally, you're a lovely man and you've got a great <laughs> family, so um, you're forgiven. <laughs> That's all that people want at the end. It's, only, it's all in the name of fun. It's all in the name of the sport of the game, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the Speedmans then, because obviously, you know, you've Flirted with Liv, you've got the information, you've planted the device, you've put in a lot of effort. In the end, it's you that gets the the, the final hand on uh, on Nick, and he, he asks what kept you, or whatever his phrase was, I can't remember now. Um, lad. Yeah, took your time, lad, that's the one. Yeah, brilliant. He's flexing his guns. Yeah, oh, amazing. Um, obviously, you know, you've spoken a lot about them publicly as well. They are great people, aren't they? They are just absolutely phenomenal them. at what they do. They, they've been great for us as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you know when you so you know it's very you know it's rare you come across people that you can kind of click with and mm. and go do you know what you're you're just genuinely lovely souls to you know yeah. and put on this earth to do good to to do something incredible with people and to start that journey with them well not not necessarily Nick and Eva but with Liv and Hunter um, and then to finish it but to finish it with George with with obviously with Nick who I was paired with. But Jordan and Shaz as well, who had been given the slip by the Speakmans on a number of occasions to, to finish, so to, to be fit to finish with all four hunters and to come and end on the final day was such adrenaline. It is probably my favourite series I've ever filmed. They are by far my favourite fugitives I've ever come across and dealt with. Um, from the audacious day one to, you know, just almost getting to extraction. Um, but that, 
feeling of adrenaline when we're on the M25, myself and Nick and Jordan and Shaz, that, that's real. That is really intense. That adrenaline that was going through uh, my body was real. So everything you see there is genuine. Nothing's faked. Um, it was such an exciting finish. Um, and for them to go, you know, where can they go? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? They've just got to give it their best shot and, and, and run. Um, I we sort of said during the episode when we saw the two cars going down, You've got, I think, Shaz flashes his lights a number of times in the back of the taxi. You know, you're coming alongside them and you've sort of, you're just following them. Being trapped in that car, you've done this thing for 13 days or whatever and you're so close to the end. Yeah. I don't know how they've done it because at that point, I think I'd have just pulled over and just gone, all right, you've got me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to give it a go, haven't you? You've got to think, yeah, they've made it. They've done 14 days of eating scraps of food i mean i, I think they lost a, a lot of weight didn't yeah. they as well you know and injuries and sleeping on back breaking hard floors and everything else everything they've done um they gave such a good game and taunted us and got away so many times they were brilliant by far the best fugitives ever um and then you just got to go well, where do you go from there and there's there's four hunters here now that is an that is an ending and a half, um, and and obviously as competitive as we are, as, as we are, there's no way on earth you're going to run and run and you're going to capture them, and then obviously you know you get to know them and you know they are lovely people, but I'm sorry, Snick and Eva, I know you're lovely people, but we're all competitive. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen, and I want Nick's shirt. I always joke about Nick's shirt. <laughs> From someone else, didn't they? Yeah, I think was it Alison? Not Alison. It might have been Alison Hammond's friend. Something from Alison Hammond's friend. One hundred right. quid from each boob. Yeah, they the stigmas are left up everywhere. So yeah, we could have came from anyone. We suggested when we spoke to them last week that when because they're currently on tour now, doing their excellent work around the country to go around and pick this stuff up. Because I know they, one. yeah, because I know they do. Like, they've got their own little charity they do stuff for and they were sort of saying if they can get some stuff back then they'd auction it off for for the charity which is yeah, trauma research yeah i know they're on tour now i've actually attended their one of their workshops yeah we, they were in um east mids airport last saturday and um, which is relatively ish near yeah. us and we just couldn't find the, the time sadly to go because we'd love to have gone and meet them because yeah. again i think it, it's such a powerful thing they do and you know they're such lovely people and i know that you know, you, you've said it a number of times on other podcasts and interviews that, you know, you've attended, like you just said there, you've attended their workshops and they've had a positive influence on you as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I love all that stuff. So when I give, so if I go out and if I give talks, I give talks about resilience and well-being mm. and mental health, talk about gut health and everything else and stuff and everything else. And, and, and I, you know, I attended their workshops and, you know, my mind was blown, but I know when I met them, you know, when you know there's a warmth. Yeah. This is just a genuine warmth coming from 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 all four of them, um, the, the entire family. Um, I have stolen some of uh, Eva's. She makes these protein bars with. Um, she put the recipe up there. And I was going to make them, and she made some. So um, I took them. I took them. I took them home, and um, I think I must have been about six in the car. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> the whole box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they're genuinely warm family. It was great to it's great to be involved in that from the beginning and that from the end in by far my favourite series. 
as well as you know the fugitives were brilliant but it's the ones that you but it, it it's that they're the bookends for me it was i started with them and i finished with them and i also yeah. got to finish with jordan and shaz and nick who i was partnered with um yeah. great i love that feeling you know jordan and shaz and nick are lovely um yeah well. um, we give that. we give jordan too much stick on this podcast but he loves it and he finds it funny so we'll just say it anyway because it's, it's a weekly thing Sorry, Jordan. Uh, right. Shall we talk yes. about politicians? Let's, let's talk about Ed Balls and his uh, burner phone that he called himself on. And bumbling Ed. Bumbling, bumbling Ed. Ed. What a legend. He's cool and he was lovely. Yeah. He was such a lovely man. On the show, we see whilst you're talking to him that there's a, there's a little smile from yourself whilst, uh, whilst you're speaking to Ed. That must be the one time where you sort of sat there thinking... I really need to hold in a laugh here. <laughs> I couldn't control that. Yeah, it was just that was just a big smirk and a smile. I'm thinking, fucking hell, Are you your typical politician can't lie, can't lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out this bur- this little burner phone. Anything? Are you for real? Are you, for, are you going through it? And um, yeah, and, and then wait, and I'm, I just got this number. And you're like, yeah, okay, mate. So you called yourself six times. And I just, I just couldn't contain it. And I've looked over at Nick, and I'm like, "Yeah, no, it's not happening." And he was, so, he was, so, he was so nervous though. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, these interviews go on for much longer than you see, and obviously, then the editors have to um, condense it. Um, but it's great. We had, we had such great fun interviewing Ed Balls um and great you know he gave up his time and, and was involved with it with katya and amy um but yeah the, the burner phone i'm sorry ed but yeah it's not gonna wash it's not it's not having me i think it's quite funny when you you know you you mix between the worlds obviously we've, we've got the celebrity vo- version now which is for a great cause stand up to cancer still got the civilian series going strong as well if you had to pick the one you, I don't want to say prefer working on, but the one you maybe enjoy a little bit more in terms of interacting with people's networks, would you say it maybe sways more to the celebrity because of the moments like the Ed Balls phone and speaking to people's family, getting to know people that work in other industries or similar industries to what you're now in? Yeah, I mean, I think the celebrity version is... Look, every, no, you know, they donate their fee to the charity, um, and it is that aside. It's still very, very competitive, and we know the nature of it. And what will spur you on, and what will do it, is is that it's that it's bringing that awareness, it's bringing that money to an incredible charity. And if you watch this, if you when you watch the episode, and you know, we make we make entertaining television for people, and hopefully it brings a smile to people's faces. But at the end of it, when they show the yeah. video clips, yeah, how powerful is that? Massive. Yeah. Just a reminder, I think. You know, we make this entertaining television show; it's great, and everyone gives up their time. But there is a stark reminder at the end of it: is you know, enjoy your life, enjoy every single minute you've got, enjoy it with the people that you love and you care about, and. You know, 
there's much more to life than 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 what com- that causes us stress and anxiety and you know so um it, it is my favorite bit i love both filming both series don't get me wrong but there's an element of that um that will resonate with you know one in two people will get cancer mm. yeah you know? so just a little reminder it's an entertaining show bring a smile to our faces and we can enjoy it but it's also a reminder of you know just enjoy every single day yeah absolutely and i think one thing which strikes me about your story as well is you know you've been on this powerful journey you've talked about like all the the mindful techniques and you know you released a book last year game on motherfuckers tell us a little bit more uh, about that because a it's a great book title and b i, I just think I just resonate so much with all of that sort of stuff. And like you were just saying there, that there is so much more to life of the generic stresses which come up every single day. So just tell us a little bit more uh, about the book and uh, about how much that impact has had on you over the last uh, year or so. You know, a lot of things in life, you know, even when I was a kid and I wanted to do things, actually when I think it was like five years old, I wanted to go into, I, did, I wanted to go into school, my old school, that's five years old. And I imagine myself going into a school and speaking to people and saying, you know, and, and, and wanting to inspire them. And that's quite a, you know, as a youngster to, to do that. And as a 16 year old to get into television and everything else. So I'd always had this vision of trying to do stuff and never knew how on earth or really kind of why I want to do it. Um, and certainly things I experienced in the police or as a close protection officer in the private industry and everything else that I've gone through is you can have an image of somebody and you don't necessarily really know them. And so I may have done a magazine shoot. I may be on television. People may go, oh, you, you know, it's great. And you've got the best life of somebody else. But not realizing that you can go through, you can go through things no matter what, whether you've got a million pounds, a hundred pounds, a big mansion, or wherever you live, it doesn't matter. Anyone can experience adversity, stress, anxiety at any given time. Mm. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to um, I'm going to I'm going to write a book. I don't know how to do it. I don't only write twenty five thousand words. And as the reason I call it that is, I give a phrase to people when they're struggling, and I just say to them, I say, if you're struggling today, tell yourself. Game on, motherfucker, and go and do it. And then they do exactly what you're doing now, is nodding your head and smiling, right? Yeah. And it sounds ridiculous, but I'm like, hold a minute. So I thought, I'm going to use that. So I put in there examples, and, I, and, and, and my thing is, I try and match the science behind spirituality. I try and match them both. So if you don't quite believe or understand certain things, I want to match and say, look, there is certain things. There is your gut. We talk about the second brain. We talk about this kind of stuff. So... I thought, you know what, I'm going to tell everyone that I had it, the reasons why I had it, um, and would experience episodes of anxiety or while my heart rate was going that way. And it was some of the traumatic things I'd seen during my career. Um, so I explained that to them. And I've, I do do um, talks, I don't charge for them. I go in and I do talks and I say, look, it's just because you can't physically see it doesn't mean to say it's not real. So ditch that thought immediately. And 
So then I talk about nutrition. I talk about meditation. I think you, I think it's quite obvious that I um, try and talk about the science behind meditation and, and, and brainwaves and everything. And I got this amazing body center, which is in some beautiful grounds near where I live. And I just want people to know, that's why I became an ambassador for the charity Baton of Hope, is if you're struggling, it can and will get better. So just because you see me running around and jumping over fences and doing all this kind of cool stuff, doesn't mean to say that I don't experience it just as much as anybody else. Mm. Um, so that's the reason why I wrote the book, but I am actually doing another version. I'm going to expand it. I'm going to double the content of it. Um, and there's a lot more I want to add. So I'm going to put more in there. I'm going to do more talks, um, which is nice. I'm, I don't want to try and bring the conversation down a bit, but I've had people who have read it. It's only 25,000 words, and it was just a bit of an experiment, really. Yeah. Um, who have called me up quite tragically, but one, um, someone called me up, they're no longer an alcoholic. Um, they decided to make the change. Uh, someone asked if they could FaceTime me and I let them FaceTime me and, I said, and they were Googling. I don't, you can edit this out if you want to. Um, they were Googling insurance companies to see if they would pay out if they took their own life. Yeah. So um, I'm big on exercise, you know that. I'm big on nutrition. Um, and I kind of like, I think there's a lot more I can add to it and whether I do another one or not. So yeah, yeah, I'm super passionate about this. And, I, do, and I, I don't like to see people suffer or 100%. Yeah. Completely with you. I mean, it's such a, a key thing to do because there are people who struggle and, and don't say anything and, and need that sort of thing or just get anxious over the smallest little things and yeah. just let it ruin and beat up their entire day. And, you know, by making little changes with stuff like that, it's absolutely... Um, incredible if people want to read that and find out a little bit more i'm guessing it's going to be on amazon somewhere or on your website on amazon, yeah yeah it's on amazon you can get it on amazon um if they hang fire i may pull it at the minute so i'm going to add more content there's going to be a version two going to come out um so i am looking at the minute of whether something else get whether it, there's a second yeah version or whether the same one gets put out but it's version two um but that's that's something that i'm i'm working on at the minute but they 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 you know they can read it i'm actually going to reduce the um make sure the prices come down as well for people um shall we delve into some questions oh, from our yeah. listeners well should we start off with uh, one of the uh, the hq too much thing go on then um so daisy from hq has got a question for you and her question is when are you getting a dog ah when am i getting a dog so it, it, the question is which one do I get and when I may or may not have finished something at the minute <laughs> we know a little bit more time yeah um I will I will be getting a um puppy I'm sure so that will be over summer oh. um but I'm unsure which breed of dog I'm actually gonna get yet do not get a border collie because they will ruin your life <laughs> and it was lovely and i know <laughs> yeah they do, they do exercise i do like the golden retrievers oh yeah um ridgebacks do love a ridgeback they sleep for like 23 hours a day bounce around for an hour 
my idea of heaven that a dog sleeps in 23 hours a day. When I was in London the other day, there was there was a guy came up and I was talking to him and he had an eight-month-old um, Cocker Spaniel. Aww. And it jumped up on my knee and was giving me a cuddle. Uh, I was a bit of a sucker and, and a bit soft for that. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be I think Mark Cannon has got a cocker spaniel actually. So what we're saying is, if you are a fugitive that's on the run and you don't want to get captured, get a dog, let Cashmore fuss it, and that's it. I'll let you go and just run. Toffin, Toffin, Stanley, Johnson. We interviewed, interrogated one of the uh, one of their key associates, and he had a golden retriever. And the golden retrievers come under the table, come up, up here. Its its head is here. <laughs> Paws on my shoulder oh. and rested his head there. So and I'm like, yeah, Stanley Johnson, tough, you can go. <laughs> the, dog's <laughs> me, the dog's done me. He's, oh. Yeah, it's affected your escape from staying. That's a problem. I love dogs. Oh, 100%. Best animal out there for me. Uh, another Daisy, one, uh, Daisy Jones has asked, how did it feel for the first ever clean sweep on Celebrity Hunted? Yes, so it's the first one on Celebrity Hunted. We have had a clean sweep on Maine. Um, series four, I think that was the series um, Harry and Frank. Oh, when they, yeah. they were captured in just before he got on the chopper at the Birmingham Bull Ring, I think. Yeah, yeah Bull Ring in Birmingham, yeah. Um, it's great. It, it, it is a great feeling, you think, yeah, because you've worked so hard and you get a clean sweep. And all the amount of work that every single person has put in, um, it's pretty epic. What a location, right? That aeroplane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously Bobby trying to, trying, to, trying to get there. That's so intense. That was, that was, that was a pretty epic achievement um, and massively rewarding for everyone to think, you know, we've got them. But the last day, you know, you know, the Speakmans and, and and Bobby and Saffron. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, the end. Such a good um, feeling. Our next question comes from JP. All and, right. Uh, his, his question is, how do you smolder? <laughs> <laughs> how do you smolder? I thought you know. That is JP's question. One off, yeah. One off. Oh, have we got another Yeah, JP? there's another one somewhere. I've just got to scroll. I always screenshot them oh, when they come in so I don't lose them. Where's ah. the other one gone? Oh, well, I can't it remember. It was another JP one. It was, no. something, it was something about, like, I don't know. It was something about smolder. Pouting, I think. Oh, yeah. Pouting, yeah. Smolder, watch Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other one, I've just lost them off my phone. I had them. Uh, was I quite like this one as well? Um, who would you like to see, or who would you like to hunt down the most on Celebrity Hunted? Obviously, excluding anyone who you may or may not be hunting down in the next couple of weeks. Can it? Um, oh, this is a good question. This one could it be someone who is alive, or could it be someone who is no longer with us? Let's have one of each. Let's one of each. Up. Yeah, yeah, one of each. So, if I was gonna if I was gonna hunt someone who is no longer with us, I'm gonna pick two. Um, for, so, anyone listening, this is actually I don't I wasn't prepared for any of these questions. By the way, um, is Elvis choice and Muhammad Ali? Oh yeah, I like that. That's that's great. Uh, I've had another one in from Ellie who says, "What makes a good chief?" or leader or 
more specifically for you, ground hunter partner? Um, a good chief or leader. Um, you know, there's a very there's 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 a, there's a difference between a leader and a manager. A leader's got that aura and ability to fire you up and motivate you to be able to listen to you to be able to kind of put every single thing together um and it's it's a great skill and and everyone who's had that role has been brilliant at it um not only being good on tv and charismatic um but has been able to have that ability to you know disseminate all that information make a decision and run with it because you've, you've you know your head's on the chopping board for that you've got to be able to pull this in and take a gamble and and run with it and if it's wrong it's on not necessarily on you but it's a collective team effort but someone's got to have that ability to just go right this is a decision we've made we've all come together we're happy we're going to move, move forward as a team um so casting wise amazing you know we've had some you know great chiefs um and uh what makes a good partner yeah um that ability to be able to read so let's just say you're going in somewhere and you need to know if something if someone's going for something over here the other partner can go for something over here you'll be able to get on with it and understand and know that it's covered off does that make sense if i'm covering something off here your partner then can go, well, this needs to be covered off. We need to box this off. We know what we're doing. And also when you are not running at 100 miles an hour, you've got the ability then to bring your heart rate down, disseminate what you've gone through the day. You might not be together for the entire interrogation or sequence. We then need to get, bring our information together, put it together, and then we lay it to headquarters so then they can put their little piece of puzzle together. So it's kind of knowing knowing you've got it all covered and, and you think, yeah, you know, I know, I know you've got that covered. I've got this covered. Final three. We've had this one come through on email and it is, we've seen Ben do the international versions, AU and uh, America as a longstanding member of the Hunter team. Would you like to uh, do an international version? Do you know, I think that'd be quite cool. Actually, can I do it somewhere hot? <laughs> <laughs> it's warm. I'll get a tan. <laughs> I would actually. I think it'd be quite cool. I think it'd be quite fun um, to do somewhere hot. I think if they could like ramp up this series somewhere, I'd like to do it like really remote. Or let's go what the SAS lads do and um, let's go in the jungle somewhere or do something. I'd like to be. I'd like to do so. It it does test you physically a bit. I do train and make sure because I'm not going to be outrun because I'm that competitive. Lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be tested physically. I think, you know, so if there were, yeah. So, yeah, I would. Absolutely, yeah. Of course, I would never pass that up. Um, the next question is my question. And it's a question that I ask everyone that we have on. And it's, it's a great question. It's a silly question. It's a great question. But now I have to ask everyone. Um, so my question is, what is your favourite biscuit? Great question. So my favourite biscuit, you're going to laugh. I actually don't eat biscuits. I'm really, I'm really fussy with my food. So, having said that, though, when I did, I do like the Marks and Spencer's Viennese swirls. You know, it's like yes, a shortbread and chocolate. Yeah, 
Yes. They're good, right? Choice. Great yeah, choice. That's a good answer. They're yeah. good. Satisfied with that answer. Yeah, I'm satisfied with that. As answer. a kid, I used to go for the bourbons oh. and I used to try and get it so you could like take off the bit. Yeah. So you take off the top bit, eat the biscuit, and then you've got the chocolate bit in the middle, have that, and then eat the second bit at the bottom. I go. knew you'd like that answer. Uh, and the final one, it's very much Hunter related. We're changing the format of the show. We've hijacked the producers and we're changing the format of the show. We're making it teams of four now. You are going to be one of the teams of four that are going to go on the run. Alongside you, you've got to pick, past or present, one ground hunter to join you, one person, again, past or present, from HQ to join you, and, again, one previous celeb or civilian one fugitive to join you to form Paul Cashmore's elite team of fugitives. So, so what have I got then? I've got to pick a, a ground hunter. HQ. HQ. And a fugitive. And a fugitive. Yeah. yeah. HQ, I'm going to pick my mate, Doug. I knew you were going to go for that. A great choice. I'm going to pick Doug. Doug's a ledge. Because um, when he's, he's, he's got all the tech knowledge. Um, yeah. So I'm going to pick my mate, Doug. Ground Hunter. So I've been quite spoilt. Mm. Yeah, they work with you know some incredible ground hunters. Um, so currently work with Nick. Uh, this is actually foxing people more than the biscuit yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one, right? Because um. Yeah, you give favouritism, don't you? Doug was easy. Yeah. Um, Doug's the brains of the outfit. <laughs> um, <laughs> who would I pick? So, to, out of the ground on the teams. Um, so, I would never work with. Do you know what? There's, there's, you know, George, you know, George. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, George was due back and he can't make it. And for a number of reasons. Yeah. And I'm actually going to pick George for reasons that he knows and, and, any, and any hunter that is listening to this will know. Yeah. Um, and he has got a really, really lovely family. And you know, you know how we did PK'd. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that is so that is common. So it's common knowledge why we did PKD. Yeah. And we did it for Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone who knows and follows Hunted that knows why we were climbing up all those peaks, and that was set up for that reason. So for that reason, I'm going to pick George. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he is is super chilled. And I think when you experience something like that in life, sure, I think it would be, um, I'd like to go on that journey with him. Absolutely. For that Absolutely. reason. For that, for that reason. He's a lovely man. Don't get yeah. me wrong. He's super chilled and super calm. But um, I think we've all been through a journey together. And we did all those peak climbs together, which raised um, a lot of awareness for that. And it's very close to our hearts. So I'm, I'm going to go for George. 
Absolutely. And then finally, you get to pick one fugitive. It can either be um, a celeb or a civilian. And technically, you can't have Liv because she was an associate. So I can't pick Liv then? Yeah, no. just in case you were going to go there, because I could sort of think, no, but I sort of thought you might. I would have picked Liv. <laughs> I would have picked Liv for obvious reasons. Um, all right. If I can't, if I, sorry, if I can't pick her, um, do they get to come to two? Could I pick Nick and Eva or I'd have to pick one? No, you've got, you've got, you've got to pick one. Yeah. It? It's got to be Nick or Eva. So Eva does make these good protein bars. Um, and you have got, technically, you haven't got an all-male team so far. So if you... I know. And Nick's got these great one-liner jokes. If you've been to his event, <laughs> he has got some great one-liners. And he has obviously got big guns. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go Eva. Great choice. Uh, so your elite team, George, Doug, Eva, and yourself. I yeah. think on that, I think they might. I think they get quite far, don't you? It's a good team. Yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah. It's a great choice. Yeah. A good one. Awesome. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for your time on the podcast day. Really great to have you with us. We'll definitely have to get you back at some point. We've got more to talk about, I'm okay. sure, from all of those years that you've been on the run yeah. uh, and that's also it for this series the second series we'll probably be back there in a couple of weeks yeah. with the Australian version and the civilian version yeah. but if people want to get in touch um, it's at Hunted Pod on Twitter at Hunted Pod on Instagram Facebook is Hunted Pod or you can email HuntedPod at Outlook.com and keep actually saying something to us not just hi yeah don't just say hi need more than that absolutely uh, Paul thanks as I say so much for, for coming on um, however I'm going to turn the tables on you now because your time on the pod is over. You have been hunted. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see